Welcome to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book, with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. Hi, I am Joe Yonan. I'm the food editor of the Washington Post, and my latest cookbook is called Cool Beans. For more Cookery by the Book, you can follow me on Instagram. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share it with a friend. I'm always looking for new people to enjoy Cookery by the Book. Now on with the show. You're the food and dining editor at the Washington Post. You have multiple James Beard Awards and an IACP Award, and you're the best thing to come out of West Texas since Buddy Holly. (laughs) So I met you last April when I was at WAPO meeting Bonnie Benwick, and we chatted briefly about this cookbook, and I'm so excited to talk with you about it today on my podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So when you started writing the first drafts of this cookbook, could you see the bean trend on the horizon for 2020? I mean, I felt something coming together, but I can't say I knew exactly um, and was incredibly confident that it was going to come true. You know, I mean, I certainly have been in love with beans for so long, um, but I certainly felt that with the growing interest in plant-based cooking and then with the growth of interest, exponential growth of interest in a little appliance called the Instant Pot, And then continued interest in heirloom bean companies like Rancho Gordo, I did start to sense that the timing might end up being really good. I love the beans are starting to play a starring role in American dishes. Yes. I mean, I feel like one of the reasons that maybe beans have the reputation or have had the sort of fusty reputation that they have had here has been that you know, in our own cooking, they've been associated a lot with the past and with maybe with the 60s and 70s and maybe the health food movement. Whereas in other countries, of course, they've been the bedrock of cuisines for centuries. And, you know, I think we in America sometimes have historically paid more attention to the really high-end cooking from other countries the classical cooking, the celebration cooking, and beans have for so long been really an everyday ingredient. They've they've been the source of sustenance for people who were trying to make ends meet, but who knew that they could depend on this incredible shelf-stable source of nutrition, and they knew how to cook it in really delicious ways. And I think we've been paying more and more attention to that kind of cooking over the last few years. You wrote in the cookbook, my own bean journey took a turn about a decade ago. What happened then? It sounds so mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> right. A little fork in the road. It actually was very gradual. You know, I started eat, realizing that I was it's like that horrible song from a couple decades ago. I think I'm turning Japanese. I started realizing that I thought I was turning vegetarian. <laughs> And it caught me off guard a little bit. I remember I was I was planning dinner, a dinner party over the weekend, and I was trying to decide what to make. And I opened up my freezer and fridge and was looking through my pantry, you know, like you do. And I noticed that in my freezer, there were all of these pounds and packages of really beautiful, humanely raised meat that I hadn't been cooking at home. I had been waiting for the chance to make for other people. 
um, because I wasn't really cooking meat at home for myself. Um, and that's when I started realizing that I was really moving toward a plant-based diet sort of instinctively. And I was feeling better and better as I did. So I just kept moving in that direction. And beans were always part of it. I, I also write that I'm not sure I would have actually continued along that path were it not for discovering beautiful heirloom beans by Rancho Gordo. Really changed the way that I thought about beans. You touched on this a few minutes ago, but in Cool Beans, you teach us home cooks how to cook beans in a slow cooker, on the stove, and in the Instant Pot. Can you talk a little bit about that? If I'm just puttering around the house, certainly I will just put a pot of beans on the stove or even in the oven um, and cook them really gently. I like to bring them to a boil for 10 or 15 minutes um, at the outset and then lower the heat as low as it can go and cook them really slowly. And that's beautiful. You know, the house fills up with that beautiful smell of uh, beans cooking. And and it's wonderful. I sometimes even cook them in this clay bean pot that a friend gave me. And that's an incredible way to cook them as well. You know, but on, on any given weeknight when I really want a pot of beans pr- pretty quickly... And I should say more and more, even on the weekends, um, I do turn to my trusty Instant Pot. You know, there's nothing easier than the whole set it and forget it thing. You know, you don't have to you don't have to wait and watch until it comes up to pressure and then adjust the heat. You don't have to set a timer to know when it's done and then turn the heat off or down or whatever you're doing. You just set it. And what happens is you get these really nicely cooked beans, but I do think that the key with an Instant Pot is to cook them uncovered for maybe another 10 or 15 minutes after you cook them. It concentrates the broth. You know, the Instant Pot, like other pressure cookers too, is so sealed up tight that there's no evaporation of liquid when the beans are cooking. So unlike when you have it on the stovetop or in the oven, where it's cooking slowly, the, the water just stays in there. And so it can be, the broth can be a little more lackluster than when you, than when you cook it on the stovetop. As Steve Sando at Rancho Gordo puts it, it breathes life back into the beans. The Instant Pot proves that you don't really have to soak beans. There's reasons why you might, which I'm sure we can get into, but, but you really don't have to. And it makes beans a product that you can, an ingredient, a fabulous ingredient that you can make any day of the week. Speaking of broth, I always thought that you needed to throw in a ham hock or some chicken broth to make beans flavorful. So you're saying the beans make up the flavorful broth on their own? Absolutely. I mean, you need salt, of course, like you do with any good cooking. But yeah, the beans, the be- especially I would say if you haven't soaked the beans, you know, soaking, there's, there's lots of reasons why you might want to soak. But if you soak, you definitely lose some of that flavor, especially with a thinner skinned bean, like a black bean. I mean, try them side by side. Soak a pound of black beans and cook it next to a pound of black beans that you did not soak and just be prepared to marvel at the difference. One is inky black and full of flavor, and one is sort of grayish, pale lavender and not as much flavor. Yeah, I really wanted to prove to people in this book that you don't need that ham hock, that I think that when beans are cooked from dried, especially if they're high quality beans, 
but even really good supermarket beans. Like I really, I talk a lot about Rancho Gordo and companies like Camellia, but I also really like Goya if you're getting supermarket beans. And if you cook them from dried with salt and with kombu, which I like to use, it's a dried seaweed from Japan and it helps actually soften the beans and maybe a bay leaf and onion and garlic and you cook them until they're really tender. I think that that broth rivals anything that you can get from a chicken. Honestly, I mean, I've I've cooked with chefs who um, I cooked with this fabulously talented Mexican chef, Mexican American chef, Christian Arabian here in D.C. And the first thing that he did after he cooked this incredible pot of black beans before he did anything else with it was pour out two cups of the cooking water, the cooking liquid, and we sipped it like a soup. That's how delicious it was. There's nothing else in it. So the USDA categorizes beans as a protein and a vegetable. And even the folks living in the blue zones where people live the longest and eat the healthiest eat one cup of beans per person a day. Can you talk a little bit about the nutritional aspect of beans? (laughs) People know the song, right? Um, Good for your heart. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you sing it? (laughs) Uh, you know i i'm so sorry to inform you that i happen to be coming down with a cold so i won't be able to fulfill your singing request Susie, today (laughs) any other day (laughs) um well they so what i find most amazing about beans i mean certainly the nutritional benefits include you know antioxidants and fiber really is the is the big one but yes they they also improve our gut health there's some school of thought that the very thing that we find difficult to digest the oligosaccharides also is feeding our gut biome so um, maybe when it comes to flatulence, we should all just give each other a break, open some windows and get used to it. The um, <laughs> page in which I talk about this in the book, I headline, let the music play. <laughs> um, with the idea, the idea being that it's, it's really not that big of a deal, unless you find it uncomfortable. And I know some people certainly find it actually uncomfortable. And for, for those people, I want certainly want them to, to try to do what they can do to reduce it. But beans also, they help stabilize your blood sugar. They might lower your cholesterol. One of the most interesting things that I came across in my research for the book was that there have been studies published that meals based on beans are actually more satisfying than meals based on animal proteins, meaning that people were full longer um, and reported a higher sense of satiety. I find that too. Don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't feel as weighed down. Right. They're simultaneously satisfying. And and yeah, they're I mean, to me, they're energizing. So I always feel I always feel great when I eat them. So I can't (laughs) I can't get into aquafaba. Okay. So I'm going to help. (laughs) Yes, please. Well, I would say you should try a recipe like the chocolate mousse recipe in Cool Beans. It's really easy and shows off how easy it is to use aquafaba the way you would use egg whites. It's based on Julia Child's classic chocolate mousse recipe. And I wish I could tell you that I labored and tested and retested and tweaked and all of this to make it work. But the fact is it worked the first time. It's just um, aquafaba was quote unquote discovered by a, I believe it was a French vegan pastry chef who was looking for something to 
um, substitute for eggs and had canned chickpeas around, as you do, and realized that the liquid and the viscosity of the liquid reminded him of egg whites. So he just thought, oh, well, I wonder if they would whip up like that. And and they do. I mean, you can you can whip them and add sugar to them and they turn silky white and glossy and they'll hold stiff peaks, especially if you use a little cream of tartar, which I did in the mousse recipe. It stabilizes them the same way it stabilizes egg whites. I only use it in a couple of places in the book for that recipe. And then I make a margarita that's sort of um, a twist on one that Jose Andre serves at a restaurant here in DC that has what what he calls salt air on top, which is this layer of, of salty foam that I'm sure they're putting through a nitrogen canister or a CO2 canister or something to get the foam, but I do it with the aquafaba. Yesterday, I made your recipe for Texas-style bowl of red beans on page Excellent. 112. Can you describe this? I am a Texan, and when you're a Texan, you find yourself telling people all the time, that's not real chili, that's not real chili, because real Texas chili doesn't have beans, it doesn't have tomatoes. It's really just chili con carne, right? It's chilies with meat. Well, when you are a Texas cook who used to be a purist but find yourself not eating meat anymore, you have to give all that up, don't you, Susie? (laughs) But you aren't really giving anything up. No, I guess what I mean is you have to give up the purism. Yeah. That's the only thing you're giving up is the sense that like, this is the only way to cook a pot of Texas chili. But then when I was researching the book, I thought, you know, I really love the straightforward nature of that Texas bowl of red, they call it. You know, it's just so complex in flavor, but it's so straightforward and you just treat the meat in that recipe, you know, so kind of wonderfully that I thought, why don't I just, why don't I just try all of that same technique and ingredients, but use beans? So, so that's what I, that's what I do in this recipe. It's, it's mostly kidney beans, red kidney beans, um, and a smaller amount of black beans. I like the combo together. I don't usually cook different varieties of beans together, but this is one where I thought that it worked. And you cook them for so long, either on the stovetop or you can certainly do it um, in the pressure cooker for a much shorter period. And they just get really, really tender, packed with flavor. I like to mash a little bit of them in the pot and leave some of the other ones whole. And then you've got this incredible flavor and it's all beans and you do the same thing you would do with a purist Texas chili and serve it with those simple accompaniments on top. So I was nervous about using dry beans and I thought it wouldn't be as creamy as canned, but oh my goodness, after five hours of simmering, I had the best pot of glorious beans. I can't wait to put it on my eggs tomorrow too. I'm so excited. Yay! Now for my segment called My Favorite Cookbook. Aside from this cookbook, what is your all-time favorite cookbook and why? Wow, that is a question. (laughs) All-time favorite? All-time. 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 There's been a lot. I've had a lot of time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, I'm a huge fan of Amy Chaplin's work. She wrote Whole Food Cooking Every Day, and I think her recipes are stellar. And whenever I cook out of a book, I I, I know Amy, she and I are friends, and 
I'm so jealous of sort of, I don't know, her effortlessness in the kitchen. She's Australian and she's got that incredible palate and everything she cooks is incredibly bright flavored and everything comes together so wonderfully. And it feels so, I don't want to say healthy, it feels nourishing, which I think is a different a different kind of feeling. But God, there's so many others that that I feel like I could mention. I mean, Matter Jaffrey's books. I'm a big fan of Anna Jones, the British vegetarian cookbook author. Um, oh God, I'm leaving out a million, million people. But I would say uh, off the top of my head, if I had to pick one, even though it came out recently, it would be Whole Food Cooking Every Day. Where can we find you on the web and social media? I make it so easy for people. So everything about me is just Joe Yonan. So it's www.joeyonan.com. It's Twitter handle Joe Yonan. It's Instagram Joe Yonan. It's Facebook Joe Yonan. (laughs) (laughs) So no fancy names, just me. This has been so much fun. Thanks, Joe, for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you for having me, Susie. I loved it. Subscribe over on cookerybythebook.com. And thanks for listening to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book.